नमस्ते टुडे थर्टीएथ ऑफ मे इज ए वेरी स्पेशल डे ऑफकोर्स इट्स नॉट ओनली बिकॉज ऑफ दी न्यू पार्लियामेंट बिल्डिंग एंड दी सेंट कॉल दैट्स ए डिफरेंट सब्जेक्ट ऑल टूगेदर बट टुडे इज ए वेरी स्पेशल डे स्पेशली फॉर ऑल ऑफ अस हु आर टर्न टू मदर एंड शुरबिंदो बिकॉज टुडे इज द डे वैन शुरबिंदो डेलीवर्ड दी फेमस उत्तर पाड़ा स्पीच सो इट इज एन एनिवर्सरी ऑफ द डे soon after his release from prison which was in the beginning of may 8th may or 9th may i think 8th may he and 9th may came out and this is the first speech he gave and this speech is in many ways it's a i would say an eternal document of the eternal and the reason is uh, it is a small document which contains within itself like a seed uh, many things for example it contains in itself an entire validation of the past of sanatan dharma because shubhendra says he showed to me the truths of hinduism and shubhendra was an agnostic and after his sojourn in the jail he realized that all that is given in the hindu um, i don't know what term to use sanatan dharma because it's not just a religion as we'll see are true the vision of god the vision of divine everywhere within every creature uh, how the this great current uh, this humanity and this world is moving towards god towards its grand consummation the disclosure of the divine all this was revealed to him the entire past and then more importantly in this we see a vision and mission of the future it's like a vision statement and mission statement but in the briefest lines so vision statement is that india is to be raised shri krishna assures to shubhendra i am raising this country further he assured that not only those who are doing my will is very powerful but even those who are opposing me who are my enemies are helping this great work because nothing can be done now it means that there is a direct charge that the divine has taken of india but then the divine work unlike in way back times back times is not confined to india alone rise of india is important for the good of the world that is the second part in the vision statement that well india has to rise and india has to rise for the good of the world and then there is the mission statement so mission is the need of indian nationalism and this nationalism is not the identification with the ego but with the soul so there are two kinds of nationalism i must say here one is the egoistic nationalism egoistic nationalism is for example when we say that america stands for truth uh, for liberty but it doesn't catch this word from the soul it catches it by the ego so its idea of liberty is an egoistic individuality its idea of uh, freedom is a democracy because it's by the mind and the ego and that happens in the beginning it's a it's a usual process like germany it started discovering its soul but ended up discovering its vital ego and it created a but india need not go through that because india is the most ancient civilization as of date and it knows its soul only thing is it has been covered through few last few centuries so it has to rediscover it which is a much more easier task 
and in this rediscovery of the soul of india lies the good of the world and that discovery is of sanatan dharma that's what shubindu says and if we look today today also we see lot of movements cry here and there and everywhere of sanatan dharma even i am surprised i don't know how many people have noticed it or not but suddenly people are calling themselves sanatanis this is not a term which is old this is a relatively new word <laughs> sanatanis i am sanatani hindu <laughs> so what does sanatani means that i am not into any sect any cult yet i understand that there are different approaches to god this is something very unique because there is a sectarian hinduism and there is a very wide hinduism so wide hinduism is sanatani so this sect this cult it's not into those small and one sign was during the recent parliament inauguration the prime minister made something very interesting uh, remark in his speech he said sarva panth he tweaked <laughs> not sarva dharma sambhava because dharma in sanatan is only one and that dharma is only one is not a set of rules but an eternal law of life which is there in everyone and it's not something given in one book or many books it is a eternal law which is inside that is dharma it is sanatan universal and yet there are many sects panth so there are many approaches so sarva dharma sambhav is a distortion of something as you can't have different uh, laws of life now when you translate into religion then the meaning changes but if you take it that laws of life there is a fundamental law of life which will be the same then there will be many laws subset sub ideas etc etc so and then there are many sects panth mat sampradaya which are approaches to that great law so in this sense we can see sanatan dharma as a mighty ocean and many streams are flowing towards it St- some stop shot and say that the ocean and the river are different so that's how dvaitvad you have some enter into the sea but keep retaining their uh, separate identity and say dvaita dvait and some merge into the sea and then we have the advait and many other approaches which uh, are not necessarily documented in the history of uh, indian civilization so sanatan dharma this is the mission and that's why we see suddenly there is a cry for sanatan dharma not only india many truths of sanatan dharma are being revealed and accepted in strange ways all over the world recently i was reading a whole uh, documented evidences of people who have experienced reincarnation one of them was recently in the 911 attack and very scientifically documented now the moment you accept reincarnation you have entered into a kind of uh, it's a back door entry into sanatan dharma this one thing which Uh, is very clear because the soul is passing through cycles of birth and rebirth now one may not understand why it is there for that one has to go deep into it so this is happening all over and in india this is a very strong movement now to discover the roots of sanatan dharma and declare openly that we uh, stand for sanatan dharma means all that is eternal and true but what really is sanatan dharma so we see shurbindo at several places describing it one of them of course is uh, the famous uttarpada speech we'll read some, read some portions of it but there is another one which he writes in bande matram and this is very powerful 
the foundations of hinduism are truth and manhood eshah dharma sanatana that's why we declare satyameva jayate nanitam this truth is not just a, a, a truth in speech which is must of course Uh, or just to the feelings of my truth your truth the eternal truth it is going to conquer satyameva jayate the divine is going to conquer over the world because divine is the eternal truth the foundations of hinduism are truth and manhood eshah dharma sanatana hinduism is no sect or dogmatic creed so very clearly is saying that while all streams pour into the sea but the stream is not the sea it is something very similar which we find in the gita everything is in the divine it's like my finger is as much myself but i cannot say this finger is me it's very interesting <laughs> this it is not a sect no sect or dogmatic creed it is not a sect in the sense that it's not a just a limited path where you fix and dogma you have to do this that that's how you will be a sanatani no bundle of formulas no set of social rules all these are there he will say he is not discarding them but he is saying don't limit sanatan dharma to this but a mighty eternal and universal truth so what he means is that there is an eternal truth but it it takes different forms like you know you have this uh, water entering into a pot the ganga jal the same uh, ganges water entering into a pot takes that form enters into a bottle takes that form enters into this or that so we if we keep on debating about the pot and the bottle then we are uh, becoming like a cult but what is important is taste the ganga jal whether you have picked it up from the pot whether you have picked it up from the bottle whether you have entered into the river yourself and drunk the effect will be the same so pots and bottles are means to carry the real truth up to the person who is thirsty and going to drink it so that is the value of sect and cult it is not an end it is a means so shobindo makes it very clear it and look at it mighty eternal and universal truth this word mighty is so interesting he uses this word several places what is mighty you see i i remember one of the instances where Shurbindo, you know, when somebody left the body in the ashram, 1951, just after Shurbindo is physically withdrawn, uh, Mridu, and the mother saw that there is a Shurbindo symbol shining over her head, and then uh, it was uh, she asked Shurbindo that, I mean, of course, in the occult inner vision, that uh, she too. Basically, Shubhendra said, "Whoever leaves the body here will come to me straight." And the mother said, "She too, because she was a very volatile, mercurial lady, with quite a, you know, temperament where she could just throw off the head, uh, quick to mercurial. I am going to commit suicide if you don't do my bidding. That kind of lady." And Shubhendra said, "Yes." Now the mother says, "What a might!" just like see shiva doesn't matter who you are only the very mighty can say that and the more weak we are we start fixing things into small dogmatic rules so when we talk about god of religions see a god who 
tells you hundreds of do's and don'ts and says if you do this then you come to heaven if you do this you will go to hell etc etc he is a very weak god look at it a god who induces fear a god who is ruling the kingdom with the carrot and the stick where look at this majesty of sanatan dharma you will come to me sarva dharman look at the mighty utterance sarva dharman parityajya mame kam sharanam raja aham twa sarva pape bhyo mokshishami masucha so he uses the word mighty eternal nobody can change you may change a book you may alter the slokas and a scripture or a writing but this is a law which will stand true and universal truth it is not uh, applicable here and not applicable there it is something which is uh, inbuilt or programmed within man and then he says it has learned the secret of preparing man's soul for the divine consummation of identity with the infinite existence of god this is something very unique about all the indic um, uh, religious aspiration and thought because it sprung from the direct contact with sanatan dharma those religions which were formed outside they too are part of sanatan dharma but they didn't have the direct contact so that's what i meant like a river which stops short of reaching the sea yet it is moving towards the sea you know there is that river shipra nadi circuits and then stops and i was very surprised jati kahan hai where does it go there are other rivers also some of them are like that it's yet it is somewhere drawn towards it attracted towards it but it's unable to but here all the indic faiths they do believe that man can unite with the divine he is not permanently disabled permanently fallen rules of life and formulas of belief are only sacred and useful when they help that great preparation so we should not tie ourselves to them that only after taking my bath will i do this mantra and if water is not coming in the municipality now times have changed but olden times in a way were better because you depended on the well so it was all right <laughs> so you pull the water and fortunately wells were not going dry because i think people were constantly taking out uh, when you use something and then you know the current keeps flowing otherwise it becomes dirty and uh, blocks the channels so uh, rules are helpful only if you feel that well when you take a bath you feel fresh more energetic then you sit for remembrance but does it mean that when we wake up we will not remember god does it mean that when we wake up we will say no no i must first take my baths go through my ablutions and then only i will sit for meditation no so that's where he is making it clear that these rules of life and formulas of belief are only sacred and useful when they help that great preparation what is the preparation for the divine consummation of identity with the divine and the first rule of life is So what is the first rule Shivendra is giving a golden rule another golden rule that man must live the highest life of which he is capable it's not uh, for the weak nayamatma what is that namidana bahunashtutin and there is another one balhine na labhyo this is not for the weak it is not an escape route we must put our best live the highest to which we are capable 
that is how we are prepared for consummation by the divine someone was asking that you know what about uh, why was geeta revealed to arjuna so you see because geeta was not revealed in a hermitage shri krishna knew many people are going there just to take refuge from the wrestle and challenge of the world but geeta is given to someone who has taken that challenge of the world and has proved himself reaches a point and then he, he reaches a point where all his ways of life his code of conduct his philosophy whatever he has read arjun it's not able to give him the answer but it's not like somebody who is escaping from that challenge so he's saying when you have lived the highest life of which he is capable and what is that highest life shravinder is defining what is that highest life wearing a particular dress putting a tripund using a janeo what is that highest life how to define that highest life of which man is capable and shravinder is saying that overcoming selfishness <laughs> overcoming selfishness it's given to man that's the highest overcoming fear overcoming the temptation to palter with truth in order to earn earthly favors so much has been done tampering with truth to suit and you know the needs of certain people certain groups so he says that why because it's out of fear if you are a courageous person you will stand by what is true even if you are not able to practice it you will have the courage to say this is true i am not able to practice it there is a great uh, courage in that rather than tweaking the truth and justifying what i am doing is correct simply because i have slightly distorted the word so he says courage fearlessness selfishness these are the uh, main ingredients and truth so he closes this sentence with the first formula of belief see this palter with truth in order to earn earthly favor so many if you look at it uh, court philosophers and you know they were bards who would sing in the king's praise historians who have distorted history for certain uh, you know earthly favors they are far from what sanatan dharma stands for so here he says the first formula of belief what is it that we must believe in satyana satyanan asti paro dharma there is no higher law of conduct than truth so what is the highest conduct is not something external but something which is internally ingrained it requires tremendous courage to look into oneself to know what is true to be sincere and that's what he reveals in the bandi matram then portions from uttarpada speech other religions are preponderatingly religions of faith and profession faith whatever are the articles of religion dogma you have to believe in and profession you have to say outwardly that's why this outer conversion is so meaningless you have to say outwardly that i believe in this god profess here profess comes from that 
I profess that I am so and so and I have to prove it by certain external gestures, certain dresses, certain ways of life. So, profession. So, he says they are preponderatingly religions of faith and profession. Like when the mother didn't go for Sunday church, so the priest asked her while she was on the ship that uh, you don't believe in God? Because if you don't go to church on Sunday, it means you don't believe in God only. She said, I don't believe in your God. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was quite shocked. Then he asked her, what do you mean? She said, look at these people. They went on Sunday. They went there, put off their hats, did the prayers. What did they do after coming out? They were smoking, drinking, sitting, playing cards. This what you call as religion? So this is where she showed key. And then she said, you are going to, biggest hypocrisy, you are going to China and India to preach your religion, which is just your religion is hardly 2000 year old. And these people way before you had found a path to find the divine and identify with him. So you see, this is where she says, uh, there are religions of faith and profession, but the Sanatan Dharma is life itself. It is interwoven in life. So when it is said it is way of life, or rather it is the eternal law of life, that's how it should be. Way of life can be anything. But the eternal law, when we are guided by this eternal law, which in Indian word, the best word is dharma. When we are guided by this eternal dharma, the eternal law of life, then we are so much in the path of sanatana dharma. It is a thing that has not so much to be believed as lived. So it's not enough to say God is there. It's not enough to say that God is great. Your deeds must be great. If you are leading a life of selfishness, fearfulness, inducing fear, terror, then it's no point saying that God is all compassionate. So it is, he's pointing out that it is to be lived. It's not enough to believe. This is the dharma that for the salvation of humanity was cherished in the seclusion of this peninsula from a fold. So what was India? India was like a pot in which this lovely tree Kalpavraksh or rather Parichat which Sri Krishna had brought aspiration tree which blooms in the night was safely guarded thousands of years now the time has come for this tree to spread and reach out to far and wide into the world so he says for the salvation of humanity it is to give this religion that India is rising She does not rise as other countries do for self or when she is strong to trample on the weak. This cannot be India, which is rising for India. See, many things are happening which is so interesting, which may go unnoticed like Papua New Guinea recently, the Prime Minister went and their president, he does the feed, which is so strange because it's a very orthodox Christian community. The whole purpose of that country was, that little country was, to have a completely black community of Christians. I think they are 98% if I am not mistaken. And yet, he followed a gesture which is typically Indian. And why? Because when there was a need during the COVID crisis, India had helped sending medicines, vaccines, other items. 
Now, many of us wouldn't have known, had it not happened, that he landed. Nobody can doctor a, you know, the head of a country, independent country, to go and touch feet. Nobody can do that. In fact, as the protocol, he doesn't come to receive in their country. But he came, touched the feet, embraced, because that's the purpose of India, to help mankind. Not only with knowledge, but in every which way she is capable. So she is rising to help mankind. She is rising to shed the eternal light and trust it to her over the world. This is light given to India. India is born with Sanatan Dharma and it has to give it to the world. India has always existed for humanity and not for herself. And it is for humanity and not for herself that she must be great. And we can see it actually practically. Look at the uh, religions which came into India. Converted, looted, plundered, desecrated, destroyed. Even the religions destroyed the native culture to build their own palaces. Look at India. Vivekananda goes to America they become Vedantins. What does he come with? Not any money or anything. I mean, he comes back the way he went. Buddha, he doesn't even go anywhere. But from that height of his inner self, he radiates the light over the world. Shurabindo, the Gita, this is what India is. The beauty of India. And it is for humanity and not for herself that she must be great. And then of course Sri Krishna assures him that when it is said that India shall rise, it is the Sanatan Dharma that shall rise. When it is said that India shall be great, it is the Sanatan Dharma that shall be great. When it is said that India shall expand and extend herself, it is the Sanatan Dharma that shall expand and extend itself over the world. It is for the Dharma and by the Dharma that India exists. There should be one country in the world where dharma does not mean religious beliefs and cults and sects. But it means what it stands for. Dharma, which is the eternal law of life. And lives by that. And that eternal law is uh, woven in every sphere of its life. In, in uh, everyday living, in politics, in war. In economics, everywhere. And nowadays, it's very interesting. All this is coming up. There is a word which, is, which has come up recently. Sanatan economics. And I was very happy to hear that. Because I always believe that Sanatan economics works very differently. It's like when you have festivals. We don't realize. Unwittingly. See, people think only what is called linearly. On Diwali, you are doing this, that, hundred things, or festival of color. Look at it down the chain, through many festivals. You are sharing your wealth right with the last person who is picking up the mud, making things. This was inbuilt in the fabric of Indian life. We don't realize that there are many people and every three months there is a festival. Ganpati festival, Durga festival, so... It's not just about festival, celebration, all that is okay. Prana Pratishtha, we are not going into that. But look at the way society is brought together, knit together around the divine 
or some aspect of the divine. See how the Ganpati festival started. Lokmanya Tilakji, you know, revived it. Why? Because this was a way to join India. He did not uh, join India on uh, just some rules and regulations of outer life. Simply this. And people came together as a celebration. They came together as a group. And this is the beauty of uh, Sanatana Dharma. Two, it is for Dharma and by the Dharma that India exists. To magnify the religion means to magnify the country. Of course, here religion is Sanatana Dharma. I have shown you that I am everywhere and in all men and all things. And I am in this movement and I am not only working in those who are striving for the country, but I am working also in those who oppose them and stand in their path. See, this is so interesting that more and more this is becoming clear. People are exposing themselves by their own actions because nothing can remain hidden. Undercover. You, you show what is inside. It's like Sri Krishna is bringing out. You can't hide it anymore. And then Shobindo defines what is this religion which we call Sanatan eternal. It is the Hindu religion only because the Hindu nation has kept it. Because in this peninsula it grew up in the seclusion of the sea and the Himalayas. And that is why we see that because uh, in a certain age when it went into decline, all that we have already spoken about, Mayavad and you know Buddha, uh, uh, not Buddha, rather Buddhism. Let me put it like that. Buddha is very strong and mighty and noble. But anyways, you see, uh, it was guarded and the two places where India was attacked and Shubhinda has spoken about it. One was through the Himalayas and the head of India which was uh, of course Kashmir where you know Sanatan Dharma in all its varieties Shaiva, Shakti cult, Vedanta, Buddhism all different streams and they were attacked. And then we see just the opposite pole, Kerala. Very few people are aware that the Arabs and the Romans came through the ports to Kerala. And Kerala is the place where first the Arabs entered. And initially it was all nice, bonhomi. Let's do business. And slowly with the business, conversion and everything started. That's why it's very deeply rooted there. It took hold in a very different way. So these were the two players. So it started disrupting Sanatan Dharma because the time was coming to gift it. So the Asura knows before the gods or rather before human beings get to know. This country should not rise because if it rises, then the world will change and for the better. And therefore there are efforts to because in this sacred and ancient land, it was given as a charge to the Aryan race to preserve through the ages. That's why it is so important to guard the land. It's like a pot in which you are having a plant. You can't just let it be broken to pieces. You have to guard. This peninsula was important because of the, uh, you know, Sanatana Dharma which was growing, maturing through many cycles. Uh, and yet... We can see that why this land was attacked, as far as I know, more than any other place in the world.
but it is not circumscribed by the confines of a single country it does not belong peculiarly and forever to a bounded part of the world this we must understand it has to spread far and wide and that's what is going to take place that which we call the hindu religion is really the eternal religion because it is the universal religion which embraces all others that's why see in hinduism you will find something or the other of all the different religions for instance we will find in a sufi song oh this is so beautiful yaar ko humne ja baja dekha kahin zahir kahin chipa dekha we we feel oh this is about divine or when you read a, or hear a very nice christian song which is full of a psalm which is dedicated to the divine it's inbuilt within us actually all of us we take it who is jesus christ he is one of the gods he is one of the divine beings we don't have issues about it but if you go to that religion which we can so easily agree with they'll find it very difficult that's why you will see in india it's it's a fact which many people may not be aware but at least some of us have grown through it so we know while indians very happily say eid mubarak it will be very difficult and very rare for a muslim to say holi mubarak dipavali mubarak shubh dipavali it's a quiet thing politically yes <laughs> you may see someone it's not their fault it the way it is in built programmed we accept that different approach is wonderful it's a nice thing nice feeling of embracing each other and so sanatan dharma is like that it's very vast and sometimes this vastness can become you know problem by itself so we have to understand that vastness is as long as dharma is intact the first premise is dharma if dharma is not followed then it doesn't matter whether this religion or that religion you have to take care rama defeated ravana not because ravan belonged to another religion ravana was also a so called sanatani who lost his ways and did a dharma so we see during the time of mahabharat so it was not about religion it was about adharma so in india always the fight was dharma and adharma not this religion versus that religion this is and then he says something in narrow religion a sectarian religion an exclusive religion can live only for a limited time and a limited purpose we can see that in certain religions which are very narrow dogmatic the more narrow and dogmatic you become the more you are going to finish yourself and for this one doesn't have to use any uh, big philosophy it's sheer common sense because there is a mighty current of life taking you forward and if you refuse today is okay you can say earth is flat and there is nothing like evolution but if you continue with this thought 100 years down the line you'll be washed away simply because the tide of time is moving forward at an immense speed so any religion which does not go with the evolutionary current and in fact guides the way that's how sanatan dharma should be is foredoomed to destruction it it has served its purpose limited purpose limited time this is one religion that can triumph over materialism by including and anticipating the discoveries of science and the speculations of philosophy and we know that um, those of us who are aware of many of these puranas these um, for instance ramcharitmanas you know the distance between earth and sun all these all, all these things now you discover it 
How these things were calculated? How these things were known? Speed of light, it comes so accurate. Ancient scripture, and they are not mentioning a speed of light in physics. They knew it by a kind of inner intuitive sense and they are so accurate. How can it be so accurate? The number of elements, all these things. So it takes materialism in its fold. It doesn't say this materialism, that is spiritual. Materialism is also at the service of the divine. It should be at the service of the divine. That's why we see such weapons driven by mantras and tantras flying. But it should be at the service of dharma. That was the only condition. It is the one religion which impresses on mankind the closeness of God to us and embraces it in its compass all the possible means by which man can approach God. So God is close to us. He is not far away sitting in beyond the sky, some sky somewhere with a carrot and rod busy counting our sins, punishing us. God is not that. We love God. Why? Because he is a friend. He is so close to us. That he is in all men and all things and that in him we move and have our being. This is the one religion which has given this wonderful discovery. I use the word discovery because this discovery can change our life. That he is in all being. Then who will one be enemy? Who is an enemy? You can have people who are deviating from dharma and if you have that inspiration uh, to you know stand for what is true and beautiful, have the courage to do it. But it should not be with a sense of hatred, with a sense of antagonism, with jealousies. All these things are not needed. They should not be there because God dwells in all. It is the one religion which enables us not only to understand and believe this truth, but to realize it with every part of our being. Every part, physically, emotionally, intellectually, with the life, with will, effort, at rest and in action. Every part and of course the soul, we can realize the divine. It is the one religion which shows the world what the world is. That it is the Leela of Vasudev. Vasudev literally means the divine who is dwelling inside. Of whom the world is a cloth or a cloak or a garb. So it shows this what the world is. world is not something condemned, not something which has been accidentally formed. But it is the Leela. Leela is an unfolding of the divine going on. It is the one religion which shows us how we can best play our part in that Leela its subtlest laws and its noblest rules. So it's not just that the divine is unfolding, we have a part. So what is our part? This also is revealed here. It is the one religion which does not separate life in any smallest detail from religion, which knows what immortality is and has utterly removed from us the reality of death. Look at it. People say that, you know, rebirth and all this. Just imagine... We don't believe actually in death. If we really look at this way, in Sanatan Dharma, there is nothing like death. Because the soul is immortal and it comes back. There is the physical decomposition, okay. But that is not death. That is simply the vehicle which is left. That's what Sri Krishna says. That's what Sanatan Dharma says. Unreality of death. It reveals to us. And more importantly, that in every detail... And those of us who are familiar, I don't know about other religions, frankly, whether these things are done in not. For us, in India, everything was a sanskar from conception. 
even for the physical act for conception there are prayers to invoke you know you see actually in the stories of kunti invoking the divine preparation before entering into engagement for having a child conceiving a child then at 3 months when apparently you know soul watches over it then at 7 months garbhadhan sanskar then when the child is born then when the child taste food annaprasan all these were called sanskar then when the child was beginning to write speak write everything was sacred every object was sacred i mean if i look at it the crow was sacred for its own right the other day somebody was shooing away the crows so i said why are you shooing away the crow so the person said no 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 they make things dirty so jokingly i said haven't you heard of kak bhushundi maybe is one of them so what is kak bhushundi i said i'll have to tell you whole story i'll tell you later a crow a creature which everybody despises and yet crow everything lizard squirrel some story or the other is there even snakes everything is somewhere connected with that large picture the mountain the river the earth matter clay sky stars moon sun name it and you have it so in every detail of life sanatan dharma is entered because the divine is everywhere then he says i say no longer that nationalism is a creed a religion a faith i say that it is the sanatan dharma which is the nation which for us is nationalism this hindu nation was born with the sanatan dharma with it it moves and with it it grows when the sanatan dharma declines then the nation declines and if the sanatan dharma were capable of perishing with the sanatan dharma it would perish of course he says if it was capable of perishing so if the lights go off in india you can be sure that it's going to be darkness for the world however mighty strong economically this country has by the very fact of this sanatan dharma and few people maybe counted on fingertips create the balance of the world you know the story of agastya when everybody is going for shiva's wedding wedding and shiva tells him no 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 you don't come he is a shiva bhakta you go down south why because somebody has to be there to keep the balance everybody from the southern eastern western portions are running to himalayas but somebody should be there to keep the balance so india has kept the balance and sanity of the world and shirbindo swami vekanand many other great ones and i am not using their names because that is a different story it doesn't need validation then he says what is sanatan dharma there is a mighty law of life a great principle of human evolution so sanatan dharma believes in evolution that is its great strength it does not begin and end with one book one prophet one teaching people say that it's a disadvantage it's a great advantage why because life evolves it that's why we have the avatars look at rama and krishna both stand for sanatan dharma but the way of rama is the way with the monkey world not monkey monkey but man who is still like an ape 
So he has to be, you have to bring a rational understanding, a luminous reason. But for Sri Krishna, the challenge is different. Sri Krishna knows that these people will use reason and engage in the technicality of reason, which is what they were doing, playing mind games and thereby asking by various ways that don't have this war, Yudhishthir should go and live as a, uh, what is it called, Ghar Jamai in the house of Drupad or Virat. Because they were going into technicalities. This is how the human reason plays. Even Rama suffered because of the technicality of things. But Sri Krishna says, okay, that age is over. Dharma must conquer, but the dharma of today's truth must win. So he uses, adapts the means to an end. A body of spiritual knowledge and experience of which India has always been destined to be guardian, exemplar and missionary. So it's a missionary, not outer conversion, but by example. And I really feel many times that this world is impoverished because it is not exposed to the great literature of Sanatana Dharma and even Indians. I was so fortunate that from childhood I have read these stories. They are so amazing. And of course, I am not speaking of just the Vedas and Upanishads that comes later. But just the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. And it's a pity that, I mean, obviously you can't thrust it down people's, you do read it. Because first of all they get disoriented. What is it is about a great war? What is the big deal? Read it in Mahabharata, stories within stories within story, touching every aspect of Dharma. By the time you have finished Mahabharata... Actually, you know all about what Sanatan Dharma is it in real life. Something amazing. And I feel it's a pity that we Indians have not read the Mahabharata. Forget about other things. Of course, we know the story of Mahabharata and we have watched the serial. <laughs> but, okay, that's okay. Something is better than nothing. And of course, the world is deprived of it. But India was the exemplar and missionary. If you read those stories, you understand what is to be a noble human being. What is selflessness? What it means to be courageous? What it means to be free of fear? What it means to stand for truth? All these by living examples. And I could go on with many stories, but to resist the temptation, this is the Sanatana Dharma, the eternal religion. Under the stress of alien impact, she has largely lost hold not of the structure of that dharma, but of its living reality. Somehow we maintain the outer structure. Outer structure is rituals, customs, tradition. But that's not it. The living reality of Sanatana Dharma is how to live this eternal law of life. And that's what Sri comes to revive. For the religion of India is nothing if it is not lived. It has to be applied not only to life, but to the whole of life. Look at what is friendship. Yesterday I was having a talk. What is friendship? Look at how Sri Krishna deals with a friend who is inferior in many counts, Sudama. And look at how Drupad deals with another friend. And you will know what true friendship should be. Look at how Rama deals with friends, Sugriva and Vibhishan. And look at on the other hand, Ravan, how he deals with his own brother, Kuber, cousin brother. Then one understand, okay, what is friendship? Look at how Rama deals with his brothers. 
So you you know it is like in every area of life you see oh this is so beautiful. Okay, its spirit has to enter into and mould our society, our politics, our literature, society, not just custom tradition but by the fact we make it a living reality, and politics. So it's something again symbolically so beautiful that almost after 75 years we see from Tamil Nadu this Sengal, this Dharma Danda entering the path. This is a symbolic thing, gestures. It's not that it automatically transforms people. But it's a symbol and it's not about people or who is there. It is the pressure of the forces to bring out a deeper truth. So, we see these things happening. Our science, even in science it should enter. And I, I, I know and I am sure many of us know, scientists in India, in abroad, who are beginning to look at life from that way, who are beginning to understand whether it be material physics, living science, life sciences like you know Jagdish Chandra Bosch. So many other things where you begin to look at life from this deeper uh, you know, view of a mighty law which is operating in this universe. Great scientists do it. They don't use the word Sanatana Dharma. Sanatana Dharma is not a cult. It doesn't, it's not necessary that they must believe in Krishna and Rama and all that. It's enough that they are bringing out these truths through one door or the other. To understand the heart of this dharma, to experience it as a truth, to feel the high emotions to which it rises and to express and execute it in life is what we understand by karma yoga. Meaning thereby in school, education, parenting, everywhere it should come. In marriage it should come, in relationship it should come. So it's entire every field. In profession it should come. We believe that to make the yoga the ideal of human life that India rises to today. By the yoga she will get the strength to realize her freedom, unity and greatness. By the yoga she will keep the strength to preserve it. It is a spiritual revolution we foresee and the material is only its shadow and reflex. So we saw that India is beginning to improve materially. But this is only a shadow. Why? Because something deeper is happening. So that lamp is beginning to get lit. So you see its reflection on the outer mantle covering. And then he cautions us. Look at it. The mistake that we did. And how things are getting a different direction, a new and beautiful direction. And once again, it's not about a political party. Any political party which can align itself to the great purpose will become the, will have the privilege. Like, you know, when Sri Krishna tells Arjun, you have the privilege. If you don't, somebody else will do it. And this is what we see happening. So it's not about this or that political party. Political party systems may change, will change. But this truth is pressing and whoever becomes the instrument in this or that party will become the leader of the future. And if nobody is ready, it will make the leaders of the future because this is the power that is beginning to emerge. So he says, in the end, the European sets great store by machinery. He seeks to renovate humanity by schemes of society and systems of government. 
He hopes to bring about the millennium by an act of parliament. We are still into it. We should be aware that it is the Sanatana Dharma and its spirit that must pervade in education, in society, in politics, in living. Then everything will change. If we don't do it, then we will be just imitating. That's why we imitate it. Secular, no, we don't want God in the parliament. This was the thing, secular. Now look how God has entered. <laughs> how Akhand Bharat has entered. Because you can't help it. It's a truth which is going to enter, whether you like it or not. I mean, it's so amazing. It's, it's a secular <laughs> country, separately. You have banished God from parliament. And see, a new building comes. And the whose feet enters first? The feet of those who are worshippers of Lord Shiva. It is not a casual passing act. And it's not about this again, A prime minister or B minister or this party. It's not about that. People are being compelled to think. They, they are, things are brought into their notice and think like this because buddhi ultimately is in Sri Krishna's control. And they end up doing things which become so beautiful and symbolic. So this is that way a unique parliament and in parliament building which is so much represents and reflects the true Indian ethos. Machinery is of great importance but only as a working means for the spirit within, the force behind. The 19th century in India aspired to political emancipation, social renovation, religious vision and rebirth but it failed because it adopted western motives and methods ignored the spirit, history and destiny of a race and thought that by taking over European education, European machinery, European organization and equipment, we should reproduce in ourselves European prosperity, energy and progress. So clear, 100 years back, Shubhinda has foreseen. So clear that we have just transplanted that system. That system may be good. It's not about good or bad. It's like savages ate meat like anything. Or people who are in very cold climate drink wine. It's okay. It's fine for them. But today, times have changed. India, India is different and it must discover its own uniqueness. We of the 20th century, I would add 21st century, we are 100 years behind what Shurabindu said. You have to catch up. We of the 20th century, and I am sure Shurabindu would decree or pardon me for saying we of the 21st century, <laughs> reject the aims, ideals and methods of the anglicized 19th precisely because we accept its experience. It doesn't work. It has failed and we can see it today it's failing. We refuse to make an idol of the present. We look before and after, backward to the mighty history of our race, forwards to the grandiose destiny for which that history has prepared us, prepared it. And we can see there is a revival, looking back into the grand past of the India, but not only for eulogizing it, but to use it, to revive its spirit, and to use it for a yet more glorious future. Namaste.
बस और नहीं करेंगे तो आराम से बंद